Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voisin. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal, and I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guests today are from Rice Law, otherwise known as Rice, Amundsen, and Caperton, PLLC. This firm is in Tennessee and specializes in family law. And the biggest news is that, that the firm was recently named Memphis's Finest Law Firm. So representing the firm with me today are attorney Nick Rice and certified paralegal Andrea Schultz. Welcome, Nick and Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad to have you both with me. Uh, Nick, I feel like I know you because Andrea says a lot of nice things about the firm and about you. Uh, and, of course, I've known Andrea for a while through NALA. So. Now, before we begin, I do want to recognize our sponsors, and that would be NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and also professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and advancement of the paralegal profession and also has been a a sponsor of the Paralegal Voice since our beginning. So we uh, are very grateful for that. Our other sponsor is ServeNow, a national network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. When you work with ServeNow, you work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, They embrace technology, and they understand the litigation process. So visit ServeNow.com to learn more. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are usually included to help explore timely topics, and for that reason, I've invited attorney Nick Rice and paralegal Andrea Schultz to join me today. And the first thing I want to do is tell you a bit about them. Now, Nick Rice, who's formerly known as George Lawrence Rice IV, is a third-generation attorney following in the footsteps of his grandfather and his father. He first started studying the law when he began working for the firm in seventh grade, and we're going to talk about that. He graduated from the University of Tennessee and then returned to Memphis to attend law school and continued working at the firm. He received his J.D. from the University of Memphis Cecil C. Humphreys School of Law in 2003. And then, because of his extensive training, he was able to practice law immediately after passing the bar. Following in his father's footsteps, he has also presented continuing education lectures and is widely considered to be the best young divorce lawyer. And Andrea Schultz, CP, received her Associate of Applied Science in Paralegal Studies from Southwest Tennessee Community College, STCC, 
in 2008, earning the Outstanding Student Paralegal Studies Award for graduating first in her class. She was also recommended for the academic distinction of induction into the Lex Honor Society. She earned the distinction of Certified Paralegal in September of 2010 and completed NALA's LEAP class of 2011 and 2012. Andrea is a member of the Southwest Tennessee Community College Advisory Board and is a current member of the Greater Memphis Paralegal Alliance. She was profiled in the book that I co-authored with Charles C. D.S. Smith, and that was The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. Currently, she's serving on NALA's Professional Development Committee. And again, I'm really delighted to have both of you with me today, and I really appreciate your taking the time to share your knowledge with our listeners. Well, Nick, I want to start with you because uh, Rice Law was recently named Memphis's finest law firm. And I think that that's quite an honor in the first place, but especially for lawyers who focus primarily on divorce and other family law matters. So am I thinking right? I I think you're thinking right. Uh, It's kind of akin to uh, people want to know why I don't know how to play golf. And it's because no one wants to hang out with their divorce lawyer on the golf course or anywhere else. That's a good one. You'd think that, you know, once people are done with their divorce, they want to put it all, you know, behind them. That's not something that they want to dwell on. But we have been lucky enough to have enough happy clients who like us, who are happy with the services that were provided, that we got them on with their life, that they not only refer new clients to us, but then when this came up for the commercial appeal here in Memphis, they all voted for us to make sure that we won the best law firm. And we beat out some of the really big law firms here in town. And so not only do we just do divorce, but we're a smaller boutique firm. So we've got a smaller base. It's just the majority of our clients are extremely happy with us. And knock on wood, we can continue to make all of our other clients happy. I have always worked in a general law firm, but worked with a lot of family law matters. And actually, it was one of my favorite things to work on, uh, just because I loved watching the people make come full circle, coming in and being very upset, and then you know coming around and finally ending up so that they were prob- they probably even understood that they were better off than they were before. So I I I understand why uh, you like to give your clients that kind of attention. One of the one of the more rewarding things is seeing the person that comes in that's downtrodden. You know they're not necessarily a victim of you know, domestic violence, but they have been a victim of either emotional or verbal abuse. And then you get them out of that situation, you see them start to return to their true selves in that come full circle that you referred to, where, you know, there's no one exerting that kind of pressure over them anymore. They start to think more clearly. They return to their more rational self, and they just seem happier by the time they leave the office. And that's one of the rewarding things. It is. It absolutely is. Now, I understand you followed in the footsteps of your father and your grandfather to become a lawyer, and that you were working in the firm when you were in seventh grade, and that's that's kind of unusual. Uh, so, And I also think that that's probably some of the best exposure that a child can get. Do you agree with me? When I started working in seventh grade, you know, Dad was bringing me into the office. He always works Sundays. That's his day, so he would take me in with him. He taught me to do research, so I started learning that stuff at an early age. But as far as exposure that I got uh, in the, from the, my family and being a third-generation lawyer, you had to learn how to 
argue, make your point, interject in a way that was persuasive, or you would just get run over in every conversation that the family was having. So that was good exposure when it came to that. And then as far as impressing upon me how important marriage is and, uh, you know, how bad divorce can actually be for someone and not taking things too lightly, that was one of the main things that got impressed on me at an early age. You know, Dad always makes the joke that he sees um, he sees how bad divorce is every day, and it makes him so happy that he's got my mom so he can go home to her and tell her, you know, I've been at work all day today, and I just know how good I've got it with you. But it doesn't work in return. He can't go home and tell my mom, I've been dealing with divorce all day, and you don't know how good you've got it with me. <laughs> now, I did see I did see on your website they just celebrated their 40th anniversary. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Dad rented out a uh, the room at the Peabody where they had their first dance in high school, and he surprised her. He had it filled with all of her friends. He thought that my sister, dad, and I, and mom were all just going to go to dinner down at the Peabody, and then uh, we surprised her and had everybody up in that room. So it was a real nice night. Love it. I love the story. Uh, I actually just celebrated, believe it or not, since I got married when I was like seven years old. I just celebrated my 48th anniversary, which in today's world is... Uh, Quite an accomplishment. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Andrea, I don't want to leave you out, so let's... Uh, you know, I've known you a while, and I know what prompted you to become a paralegal, and I think that your story is really an inspiration. So I'd like for you to share that with our listeners to, to begin here. Sure. After many years as a wife and stay-at-home mom, I found myself a single mother. And I had some administrative experience, but I knew that I needed a higher-paying job. But the thought of going back to school was daunting, especially with two teenagers in the house. Uh, But I knew that to attain the goals I had for myself, going back to school was the best option. So I entered an ABA-approved paralegal program at the local community college, graduated at the top of my class, and I haven't looked back. I believe it. Now, I I do want to stress to our listeners how important that ABA-approved school is. It's really hard for me to recommend another school, although sometimes it's impossible to get to an ABA-approved school. I also uh, want people to remember that it's much better to go uh, to attend live classes rather than uh, go the online route. So I'm glad to hear that you were able to do that. Now, Nick, people who are in the midst of a divorce are, are, um, you know, going through one of life's most stressful events. And I'm sure, as as we've been talking, I I know that your firm recognizes that. So I'd like to hear how Rice Law stands out when it comes to helping them with their solutions. Well, one of the things we did that's, uh, there's a couple of general things. One thing that we put into place is uh, we found that the unknown of a divorce is what creates a lot of anxiety in people. The unknown period creates anxiety in people. Uh, As humans, we like patterns. Uh, Even if that pattern is not a good pattern for us, it's a known pattern, and it's the known that makes it more comfortable. That's why people stay in a lot of bad marriages. So they're getting a divorce. Everything's up in the air. Finances, uh, time with their children, if it's a marriage with children, and the unknown produces anxiety. And a lot of that anxiety comes about in a divorce when... You've met an attorney, you've had an initial consult with them, maybe you know the couple, but you put all of your financial future, you put all of the future of your children in this person's hands that you don't really know, 
and you go out the door, and there's not a lot of communication, at least not what clients would consider an appropriate level of communication. So what we've done to alleviate that is everything that comes in our office or goes out of our office, if it's a fax that comes in, a letter, a pleading that comes in, or anything that we send out, letter, fax, um, a pleading that we file in the court, everything is scanned in by one of our legal assistants and immediately sent out to all of the clients. And there's even a disclaimer that says, your attorney may not have seen this yet, because I could be in court when something comes in and it goes out. And that get that keeps them involved. It, it takes away a little bit of that unknown, which helps to reduce some of their anxiety in a, in a very anxiety-producing situation. The other thing that you do just as an attorney, as paralegals on the case, is you naturally develop a relationship with these people while you're taking it through, um, getting them to the end of this divorce. And you learn, you know, what's the personality that you're dealing with because you're seeing the good parts of that person, you're seeing the bad parts of that person. And so you learn how to deal with that person, how to calm them down. Uh, about a month ago, I was taking a client in for her contested divorce, and she was in the hallway, and she was just shaking. She was so nervous and, you know, just full of dread about the impending trial. And I made a joke to her, you know, I, uh, basically the joke was, why are you so nervous? You should just be calm. It's only your financial future and your children's lives at stake. And she started <laughs> laughing. Well, now, I've been with this lady for two years by the time I make that joke, so I understand her sense of humor. I know how to relate to her. I know how to get her to calm down. I know how to get her to be more secure. I have other clients that I would never make that joke with because it would just rile them up even more. So, you know, one thing is just the... The constant sending of the information keeps them in the loop, so we take away some of that unknown. And then the other thing is when you really are interested in your clients and you're developing a relationship with them and you care about them, at the end of the day, they know that, and that reduces some of that anxiety. I agree with you. And the part about the communication is not only do they know what's, what's going on, but they know that things are happening. And if they aren't copied with that, they can think that, you know, nothing's going on. Other than the fact that they get a bill, so I think that that uh, yeah, that's a good thing. Why not use you know, email and the power of the internet to get things to them just contemporaneously? You know, it was a small additional step. Once we got the system up and in place, it's not extremely time consuming on our end. And it it like you said, they see everything. They know that things are happening, and we're not just sitting there, you know, on our hands, not minding their case and their important matters. Right, not paying any attention to them. Because what they do need at this point in their life is lots of attention. Agreed, yeah. So, Andrea, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you've always worked in family law, so I'd like to know that, if you've worked in any other areas. And also, I'd like to know, or, or have you describe your role in this family law practice? Yes. I began my career in family law. I was searching for a paid internship and Mr. Rice took a chance on hiring me with only one law class under my belt, which was Intro to Law. Um, but it's it's been a great uh, place to not only learn the basics, but to grow as a paralegal. As for my responsibilities, my role, my number one responsibility is to make Nick's job easier. That includes uh, working with the client on discovery, researching some unique facts for their case, uh, as well as 
all of the prep for the hearings, for Pendulite hearings, final decrees, or contested hearings. Well, and one thing that she that Andrea does for me that, that helps me and helps the clients is she's gotten very good at document review, and I don't mean just, like, reading over something. I mean, analytically looking at the documents that come in to see what's missing, to trace money going in and out of bank accounts, to find uh, if we've got a dissipation issue, to find if we've, if it looks like the beginnings of any kind of hidden money. And she can bring the documents to me already pre-marked with all the relevant information. So I'm not spending all my time and my higher billable hours going over everything. I'm just dealing with the most important things. And that's one of the big things that Andrea does that's invaluable besides just giving me her opinion, her knowledge, and being a, an additional voice that I've got to bounce my ideas off of. That's a real vote of confidence, Andrea. I like that. The other thing that I like is I always tell paralegals they have to pay attention. You know, anybody can just, you know, scan in a document and put it on the attorney's desk. The valuable paralegal will notice when things are missing or notice when something looks odd or notice when something's left out. So it sounds like you're doing that for him. I like that. That's my favorite part of the job, being able to find the discrepancies. Mm -hmm. It is time to pay for our show. So for just a minute, we're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, NALA, the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals, and serve now a national network of trusted pre-screen process servers. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about working in the area of family law with attorney Nick Rice and paralegal Andrea Schultz with Rice Law in Memphis, Tennessee. We'll be right back. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and my guests today are attorney Nick Rice and paralegal Andrea Schultz, who are with Rice Law in Memphis, Tennessee. What we're chatting about today is the key to a successful family law practice and how paralegals fit into that practice area. So, Nick, one thing I've noticed uh, at your website, 
is that you have a guide to divorce, as well as several helpful videos. So your firm has really embraced technology and social media. I know you have a Facebook page, because I've liked it. So we know you're there. There's a blog. So how and why did Rice Law decide to move in this direction, while so many other attorneys don't feel that there's any value in this? Well, it's it's the way of the world now. Uh, people are going to look for you in the most convenient form that they can. That's going to be online, and that's also going to be um, in the online. They're going to be looking for your website. They're going to be looking for a Facebook page. Um, that's just how people interact and find each other now. Plus, having back to the website, having all that additional information out there and being willing to have the information, the client guide so that people can read it, even if they end up going to another lawyer, you know, being willing to give that kind of additional information, I think, goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It gives people, you know, less anxiety and things like that. But the reason we went farther into social media is because even if people get a referral, you know, if someone refers them to Nick Rice, they say he did a good job for me on their divorce, the first thing people are going to do now is they're going to look for me on Google, and that will bring them to the website, and or it will bring them to the Rice Law Facebook page. And that makes people feel some type of validation. The better your website is, the more credibility they automatically give you, whether it's rightfully deserved or not. But that's just a presence that you need to have right now. I mean, we're getting, we're getting to, if not already to, and past the point where if you don't have a website and or you don't have a Facebook page, then people are going to look at you like a lawyer that's not listed in the yellow pages You know, about 30 years ago. If you go looking for someone and they're not listed in the yellow pages back then, it raises questions. If you go looking for someone now that's supposed to be a successful established business that's going to watch after your interests, you want to see that they've got that website and you want to see that they've got you know a presence in social media so that they're quickly and easily found. I totally agree with you, and I uh, really liked your your website. Very easy to. Uh, it's user friendly, and there's there's lots of information there. So sometimes they only talk about the attorneys that work there, and that's about it. I like it that you list your staff. It's a very good website. Now, Andrea, I know that you're a believer of checklists and systems because we've even done a course together about let's see what did we call it checklist therapy, I think. So um, I'd like for you to tell our listeners how you've incorporated checklists and systems to be used at Rice Law. And I'm also wondering, because I think this is a big question people have, how do you find the time to keep the systems and the checklists updated? Many of the lists I use, I have taken from Larry Rice's book, The Complete Guide to Divorce. Uh, But as I began using and relying on those lists, I found the need to develop additional checklists uh, to tweak those lists for my particular needs. The key to keeping the checklist updated is uh, our team motto, the power of now. When I realize that a checklist needs to be edited, I immediately make the change. This ensures that the next time I print the list, I have the most current and updated checklist. When the new rules come out each year, you know, family law is very state-specific, I check to see what may need to be added or edited in those checklists, and I do it at that time. 
I believe that the most important step after creating and implementing the checklist is to continually improve upon them. Otherwise, you're still missing that step, which is, you know, the, the point of a checklist is to uh, ensure that you've covered all of your bases. Now, in our course, uh, checklist therapy, that's one of the things that we covered was that it had to be done right away because you forget. Or, you know, if you save it for a specific time of the week, you'll get too busy to do it. So I think that's, uh, I think that's a good policy. Now, Nick, I know you believe that one key, maybe the primary key to success is to be prepared. And, and what I'd like to know is that with, you have a, you know, you have a heavy caseload. I know you have Andrea to, to uh, you know, help you stay focused. But how do you stay on top of all of those cases? Uh, and how, is she helpful with you for you for that? Andrea is the reason that they got this all started. You know, Andrea and I came up together. I had multiple paralegals. Well, I had to start off with no paralegal. You know, it was you're the young associate. You work on whatever cases you're told to work on under a partner. You bring in any business. You do everything on your own. You don't have a paralegal. And as I started to advance, I went through multiple paralegals until I found Andrea. And the thing that Andrea brought to the table right from the beginning, and what I look for in anybody else that I hire, is someone that isn't just coming in to pick up a paycheck. They want to get the accreditation. They want to be the best at what they've chosen to do. They've got a desire to actually succeed, to go above and beyond. They want to learn. They want to know. So having never really invested a lot of time in training anyone because, I mean, I had a paralegal one time just leave in the middle of the day for lunch with a box under her arm and never came back. So once Andrea stuck around for a while, then I started to learn how to train somebody. And the way that Andrea and I developed in her training is the way that Andrea and I, tra- Andrea and I now train everybody else that we bring into our team that has these same, you know, intangibles and, you know, God-given talents that I was just referring to, that desire and that want to learn. So what we do is we sit down with those people, and there is you know, a lot of over-explaining about the problem that we're in, why we're doing what we're doing. And this is stuff that's never reflected on the client's bill because it's that training where I'm, I sit down. I don't just tell Andrea, give me a subpoena for these documents. It'll be, this is the case that we're in. You know, this is the situation. This is why we need these documents. This is what we're looking for. You give people an overall understanding of the case. So all of my associates that work on cases under me, all of my paralegals that work on cases under me, they know all the details of that case that they're in. They're just not told to go get me a case that says this or go get me this statute. They're told this is the issue that we're working on. They're up to date on the details so that they know, you know, maybe what I first told them to go look at isn't there. They know to be looking for alternative resolutions. They develop more independent thinking so they can come back to me and say, you know, I've got this that you wanted. Then I also found this, this, and this, which fit with the fact pattern of our case and what it is that you're looking to accomplish. Once I've got people under me that are trained up and understand how to independently think and work that way and are interested in being up on the details of their case, looking for novel ways to solve the problems, I can move then back and forth in a heavy caseload from trial to mediation to motion hearings to another trial to pendulite hearings, back and forth, back and forth, because I've got paralegals and an associate on the case that understand and are doing a lot of that groundwork. 
You know, the paralegal is in charge of the details. The associate's in charge of the legal work. But without paralegals keeping everything organized, making sure that all the nuts and bolts are there from we've actually gotten all the documents in that we wanted, all the documents have been provided to the other side that we're going to use under the rules of civil procedure, all the affidavits have been executed, we sent the advance warning letters to the other side that we'll use these subpoenaed documents, to scheduling the court reporters, to having all of the exhibits in order. You know, without that there, I could not handle this caseload. And that's why, you know, we understand the importance of our paralegals and we try to take care of them and keep them happy in the role that they're in. Well, I can tell you that Andrea's happy. (laughs) From our conversations, I know she is. So there's one mistake that I think that attorneys make, Nick, and that is to not bring in the paralegals or the associates right at the beginning of the case. And if you don't get in right at the beginning, it's really hard to know what's going on. So you can't just keep them in the dark until you get until it's time for discovery, say, because then they won't know what questions to ask. One of one of Andrea's my favorite Andrea's favorite saying, my favorite saying, we use it all the time on our team um, with all the associates and the paralegals. If you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're not. So we keep everyone that works on that case up to date on the details, so that you can get multiple people's input ongoing as the case goes on, and that ends up saving the clients money. You know, just in conversations that we have over lunch and passing in the halls about things like motion hearings that are coming up, by the time I'm preparing for a lot of these motions, I've already been run through the ringer by Andrea and one of the associates that are on the case on the motion hearing. So I've been prepared for what the flaws are with my argument, what the flaws are with our case, what the strong points are, what alternative points of view are. And it's like you said, if you don't have the other people that you're working with, and on the details from the get-go, you're preventing that from happening. And that's an invaluable resource. Right. So, Andrea, I know that the people who are interested in working in family law will want to know what a typical day is like for you. I know it's probably constant multitasking, and I also am wondering if there's really a typical day. But what can you tell us about that? Well, you're correct. There is not a typical day. Uh, Probably the most consistent part of my day is following up on my task sheet. I'm continually reviewing what tasks are still outstanding. You know, who do I need to follow up with? Is it the client? Is it the attorney? Maybe a law clerk or the court reporter? In many days involve just reviewing that task sheet over and over, uh, you know, in order to tie up the loose ends. And, And in addition to that, you know, the emergencies that come up or uh, letters that need to be done right now. Uh, of course, that that's always part of uh, the day. But overall, I, I enjoy being able to follow this, uh, again, a list, uh, although that's not a checklist, to follow a list and see um, where we are in each case and what items are still outstanding and, and what can we do to uh, wrap this, this portion of it up quicker. Now, I know that you uh, are involved with NALA, and I know that you're a NALA-certified paralegal. And I'm wondering if you would um, describe your role with NALA and how that's really helped increase your value to Rice Law. Both Larry and Nick have been supportive of my desire to be involved with NALA, as well as the local paralegal association 
which I'll give them a plug, Greater Memphis Paralegal Alliance. I first became involved with NALA about four years ago when I attended my first conference in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I returned to the office so excited. I'd found a group of several hundred women who, like me, wanted to excel in the profession. I was inspired, encouraged by the other paralegals, and some of them uh, I'm still friends with today. One gal in particular I met first day at the cookie stand, and we're, we're still good friends. During that conference, I knew that I did not ever want to miss another convention. I was encouraged to grow my career, and after getting my certification in September of 2010, I immediately submitted an application to be a part of uh, NALA's leadership program, which is LEAP. You mentioned that earlier. And most recently, I was appointed to NALA's Professional Development Committee. So what you're doing then is not only networking, uh, you're learning leadership skills, you're meeting people from across the country who really can help you if you have a question or a research issue or uh, need to maybe know the rules in another state. So I, I think that's perfect. I know that I've used all those things when from my uh, association membership, so I know that, that you are too. And then, Nick, I know that you must see the value of this uh, uh, these outside interests, this association membership. Uh, tell us how this is of value to and really worthwhile to the Rice Law. It's so simple and obvious, it almost goes without saying, but I think people overlook it. You know, you've got your social media presence that we went over, but if you're going to hold yourself out as the best, you look pretty conceited if all you're doing is saying, we're the best now, let us be in charge of your life as you go through this divorce. One of the things that people are going to look for is you're backing it up. Well, you back it up by getting the best results you can for the client, having those happy clients leave. But another way that people want to see that you can back it up is that you're continuing to get that education. You're continuing to go out and seek to be more more credentialed, have more knowledge, to be set yourself apart from your peers. And so that goes to another level of, I mean, it's not just for business purposes, it's also to help those clients go into a stressful time and be more relaxed. You know, when they see the list of initials next to Andrea's name that she's worked hard for, and she's gone out and she's done all of these things, it helps them be more relaxed. They know they're going to be taken care of by someone that's competent. So, you know, I thoroughly enjoy that Andrea wants to go out and do that stuff for herself because she wants to succeed. But then I also don't mind at all that it helps with calming client anxieties and it helps with our bottom line because people want to go to someone, you know, to take care of their problems that have the credentials and have the certificates. There are no downsides to it, except for the fact that it takes Andrea out of the office and that's inevitably when I run out of my office and need her and I'm you know, yelling for Andrea, and then somebody has to tell me she's at a meeting. But besides that, you know, it's fine. Right. I I think that's kind of funny. I've As I said, I've spent some time in working in family law, and the one thing that I found out is that, uh, of course, paralegals can't solicit new clients. We, we can't do that. But I've always said that indirectly, 
we do uh, attract clients to the office when we have people that we know who have a lot of confidence in us and and therefore the firm that we're with they they come you know that they are attracted to the firm that way so and the more your paralegals know the better we're getting close to the end so what i'd like to know is do you have any more tips for making working in family law you know especially utilizing paralegals uh, in a law practice let's uh, start with you nick i would just go back to having a system and part of that system being the checklist you know i mean Every case has its unique factors. Every case is, you know, it's going to be different how you would pursue what your goals are. But having that template, especially for a lot of just the the everyday work that has to be done on every single case, speeds it up and makes it more simple. Also, having a place to start off with, you're not drafting everything from scratch. So working inside that system gives everybody on the team a beginning point that you're going to start off on gives us a framework within which to work on to then concentrate on what the unique factors are of that case and then really develop those above and beyond what you would just do in the normal system. Right. Well, I've always said nobody should reinvent the wheel. There's not not time for that. So, Andrea, what do you have for us? What do you think? Well, one thing I would um, suggest is obviously being a certified paralegal, but NALA has recently added advanced certification in family law, and eventually there will be four sections in that uh, module, I guess, and for for a family law paralegal to go after those advanced certifications. And those give not only the, the basis, the history of family law, but, you know, how to work through a case and such. Staying knowledgeable is probably the most important thing. Family law in particular, as I stated earlier, is state-specific, so it's vital that you know the statutes, rules of civil procedure, the the changes in both, uh, as well as the case law. So the continuing ed classes that um, are offered, you know, either online or, you know, through your local uh, bar association uh, are, are invaluable to a paralegal as well. I also recommend, I recommend to all paralegals, whether they're in family law or not, to find their niche within the uh, firm, you know, find their thing and become the go-to person in your office for that one, one uh, thing. I like that. Find your niche is really good. So if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, either or both of you, or someone else at uh, Rice Law, how would they do that? Our website is aboutdivorce.com. You can contact Nick or I through my email, Andrea at ricelaw.com, R-I-C-E law.com. Perfect. Do so you see how good she is? You she can contact is. me or her through her email. I like that. And then she'll save you from the crazies. <laughs> so there you go. Perfect. Thank you very much. Well, I know we've barely scratched the surface because we could talk about family law all day. And it's difficult to be a successful law firm practicing in family law. Lots of people don't want to do that. But I congratulate you for how well things are going with Rice Law. 
So, uh, you know, we have a changing world, and it's, it's again, not easy, but I think you're really keeping up. I think, I think that's wonderful. So thank you for joining me today, and I hope to have you back another time. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Vicki. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Let's take another short break now, but don't go away, because when I come back, I'm going to have some news and also some career tips for you. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time in the program when I share with you career tips and and other news. I want to throw out just a few tips for uh, handling client property. Now, a client property for uh, w- regarding a law firm can be either um, money, and in that case, it goes in a separate bank account called a trust account, but you can also have other things. You can have stock certificates, uh, jewelry, uh, you can have um, maybe somebody's original documents that need to be kept safe. All of those things, uh, it's called a fiduciary duty, and it means that you have got to do everything to f- to fulfill your duty to protect the client's property. Now, there it, this can be an issue, and you do it. Uh, there's lots of rules for this. Each individual state has their rules, so you need to check to see, uh, you know, where that trust account is set up, how you keep those records, how long you keep the records after the case is completed, uh, who can sign the checks for the trust account. Uh, th- there's lots of, of good tips out there, and you need to be, you know, checking your state's rules of professional conduct as well as. Um, as other rules and guidelines that might be out there for your state. There is an inherent conflict with the role of the paralegal. You know, on one hand, we're expected to be reliable and responsible, self-starting individuals who can work independently of this uh, hands-on, direct monitoring. We We should not need that. But also, we're supposed to work under the supervision of an attorney, and the extent of the necessary supervision is really open to discussion. A lot of people have some different uh, ideas about that. But when it comes to the client property, you must be supervised. And um, you, the attorney has to check the things that you are doing. The accounts have to be balanced. And you have to be very careful. And there's a lot of, I shouldn't use the word punishment, but there are some really bad things that will happen to people who don't keep track of these things carefully. So that's about all the time we have for the Paralegal Voice today. If you have questions about this show, please email them to vicki at paralegalmentor.com. Vicki is spelled V-I-C-K-I. And also, don't forget to check out my website, paralegalmentor.com, and then my blog, paralegalmentorblog.com. I have a lot of resources that are available for you, and those are designed to help you move your career in the right direction. And of course, that's always forward. So this is Vicki Voison thanking you for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you to get out there and make your Paralegal Voice heard. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voisin for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistance. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.